Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Stock Talk Podcast, and I'm your host, Josh Bojan. Joined to me once again is my co-host, Nico. Criticos. Nico, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I uh, went to Starbucks with Mont this morning, and then I did a guitar lesson. And friend of the show, I'll- Mont. You got to remember, friend of the yes, show. Yes, our, Mont, our previous guest. Yes. About, so- you know, it has been a month or so since our last podcast, and the one big thing is uh, it's a whole new year. How how's the year 2022 been feeling been treating you? Um, it's it's okay, it's okay. Um, I've been losing more money than ever in the stocks, but <laughs> yeah. Besides for that, <laughs> besides for that, everything is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, once again, we, it has been a while since we have done the podcast because unfortunately I've had COVID. I still am positive. But I think I'm gonna go get another test. I think it's been about six days since I got my last one. So I didn't according to the. Um, what's the thing fcc rules or whatever i think it's due doing time for me to get the test but we do we will be having a guest on today uh he's running a little bit late so we are going to be make sure to put him into the podcast for sure for sure but when it starts things off we want to give us a little update of how our stocks have been going so nico you did say you've been losing a lot of money so can you explain to the audience how much, what exactly, how much money are you talking about? You've been losing. How much money have I lost? Well, I'm yeah. not going to say five thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, um, I don't know. I guess, like, as the Warren Buffett quote goes, "Be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful." This is the best. People always say that when the market is, uh, when the market's going up, people say that because it's easy easy to say that when everyone's making money. But as soon as the market crashes and everyone sells, then then all the buyers get scared and there's nobody here to buy stuff. So I guess that's the best way to describe this because I think it's 66% of the stocks in the NASDAQ are, are near a 52 week low and they're all in bear markets. So this is, this is like, this is, this is all you could ask for, for getting stocks at good prices. The only stocks that are up right now, there's like probably a dozen or, you know, 20 stocks that are like Apple, Google, um, NVIDIA, Tesla, those are the main companies that are up. If you own anything besides that, then you are down horribly in your positions. Most of these stocks are down like 60 or 70%. So this is a great time to get started. Exactly, exactly. Like like all the stocks that we own now are down, but like if we really want to get into buy some things, like we were talking earlier how um, I started getting more into cri- cryptocurrency and e- ETH is now down to like 3,100 now. I'm like thinking, mm-hmm. you know what? Is this the time yet? Or should I wait? to drop another thousand maybe or so but um mm-hmm. yeah but one stock i actually been that's really been going up for me these past couple months is grand tierra energy i think i said it the last couple months uh, or on earlier episodes most definitely uh, was grand tierra energy and if the audience doesn't know grand tierra energy is a company focused on oil and gas exploration and production and mainly in colombia and ecuador you know i believe it has really big boom <laughs> potential because <laughs> of the billion, billions of dollars worth of gas that they might be available to as well. You know, uh, what, what's going on with the USA, there's like, um, I think in November, President Biden said he's going to be digging more to about 50 million different um, gas reserves. I was thinking maybe GTA with Colombia and Ecuador, maybe enough, a different path that the USA can take with gas prices being, I don't know how much high. It's not as high as it was there maybe in November, but it still is considerably high, definitely compared to when it's like a dollar or something during the pandemic. So that's one path that the USA can take. And um, I think the main problem with Grand Tier Energy is probably the big debt. They have taken a lot of loans and credit out. But um, the last month in December of 2021, 
the organization, the company did have a statement and they said with well, forecast 2022, free cash flow and a recovery of tax receivables, Grantierra Energy expects to fully pay off its credit facility the first half of 2022. So that is a good thing. And it's also, if say if you don't have that much money, don't have much money you want to put into the stock market, the stock is so low. I think it's at 86 cents right now. So you put in maybe $20 here and there and you can see your money coming in and growing up. And what, so. per, what percent are you up on this one? Um, Right now, let me check. Because I bought it at 65 cents, I think. So so do the math real quick. <laughs> uh, so that's, you're up 30, 35, 35% or so. 30, yeah, 38%. 38%. I bought it in exact. 38%. Yeah, and when did, when did you buy it into this? Uh, I think it was like around June. Yeah, I think it was like around June. Okay, that's not, that's really good. That's super good. Yeah, so, June. yeah. What, and, and it's still and it's still low as well. Like I was saying, like I think the highest it's ever been was in 2018 when it went to about 350, almost four dollars. So yeah, it's okay. a, at 86 cents now. So it's kind of like okay. a penny stock, really. That that's what really it is. So you just throw a couple twenty dollars here and there, and just I think your money will be growing because so of. So it, it still has some potential to, to keep moving up. Then exactly, exactly. All right. What's what, the, the interesting thing about this is that. Energy was the best performing sector in the stock market this past year. And um, I just made a video on my channel the other day that was going through breaking down different companies. And some of the top ones I was looking at was energy transfer, MPLX, as well as enterprise products. And it seems like a lot of those big energy companies all pay really good dividends and they've had great years as well. So uh, the the next year or two is is looking pretty strong for energy stocks and yeah I think it's important to throw one of those type of companies in your portfolio because um, you know you could take advantage of when you have movements like this in the energy sector as well as some of these companies are paying anywhere from a six to eight percent dividend and so that also that always helps too. So I do know this is kind of early on during the segment, but. Nico, I think it's time for you to tell the audience, like, probably you're a Hail Mary stock that you got going. A Hail Mary stock? Okay. Yeah, and here's also, the edit. He resets Starks. They are going to bring pressure again. Rodgers is going to roll away, throws it up in the air, says a prayer, and Janice does he oh, even stop it. Oh, please. <laughs> what a catch. That's insane. <laughs> you're here in the podcast. So, um, so these past couple of days, I've been, I researched a couple of different of these, these newer finance companies. Um, one of them was SoFi, which I bought a small position in. And we could talk more about that later. But the company that really interests me the other day was a company called Upstart. And that's going to be my Hail Mary stock pick of the day. And the reason that I'm picking this one is because when I, when I was doing the analysis on it and looking at what they do, how they make their money, and how big their opportunity is, uh, there's a chance that this company makes billion, uh, billions and billions of dollars of revenue and profits in the future. Because what they do is they don't originate the loans like the banks do, but they connect banks with potential borrowers and then they get they, they profit about 8% from that. So, and I think there's, a, there's, a, there's over what, $5 trillion worth of loans uh, originated every year. So if they can get 8% of that, then they're not going to get 8% of that, but they might get a smaller percent. It, it'll still translate to billions and billions of dollars worth. And right now there's, they'll, they are still early on where they're only making a couple hundred million a year. 
And they just grew revenues 250% this year. And then next year, they're expected to grow revenues uh, around over 45%. So it's a super fast growing company and their technology, they seem to be the only ones utilizing that type of technology. And the way it works is the larger they grow that database where they get customers, then the more, the more accurate they'll be able to predict how customers will act. And they also can give lower interest rates on the loans that they give out. And they can give 27% more people loans that weren't, that did not qualify before. So that is my stock pick for the day. But Upstart is, if you want to learn more about this, you can go watch my video on my YouTube channel, Stock Talk with Nico Criticos. And I just think this one is, this one has a really big future ahead of them. So, so I think if they can get 10% market share in the, right, right now they're, they're mainly operating in the personal loan market and then they're they just they just bought out a new company so that they can participate in the auto loan origination business as well and then one day they plan to get to mortgage loans and the TAM for mortgage loans is 4.5 trillion dollars that's the number they put out for auto loans I think it's somewhere around uh it's over 400 trillion dollars or 400 billion 400 billion and then for um uh, personal loans, it's, I think it's somewhere around 80, it's 80 billion. So, and I think it looks like the average, I think there's a hundred and there's 130 million Americans that will take out a personal loan for roughly $10,000. And with their technology, they're able, they're able to expand that to where 165 million Americans can now get personal loans. So they're, they, they're potentially adding 30 million Americans to this list of people who can get a loan and for a lower interest rate. So they're, they're made, they're, they're, uh, they got lots to offer. And more Americans will be needing loans because the price is going up in everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You, that's, that's another, that's another good point is I was looking at this graph showing the inflation for the year. So the average inflation for last year was 7%. Okay. But some, some things in some businesses or some sectors only had like 2% inflation while some had like 10%. So I think at the, at the very top of the list, the thing that had the most inflation this year was used cars. And so that's what's yeah. expected to come down the most. That's in the, during this year, that's where, that's where we're going to see the prices come down the most. We're going to see the steepest declines. So all those used cars that cost a fortune now, those are all going to, those are most likely going to come down huge at some point this year. Yeah, that's a good thing. Plus with, suppose I think the chips shortage should be a little bit lesser too. So no, new cars are coming in and out, especially right. the 22s. Yeah. I think the, EV cars come in 2025. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Chip shortage should be, chip shortage should be uh, fixed within the next couple months. And that's going to help everything. That's going to, that's going to, so many businesses are going to benefit from that. And that's going to bring prices down on so many products that at least the, the price of commodities and the price of supplies and, and actually manufacturing these products, it's going to bring the cost down in that regard. And that makes everything easier. Then people won't have to, there won't be a bunch of, you know, backed up, inventories people won't have to wait for certain things it's going to make things a lot easier so looking forward to that hello mr mitra hey how are you good evening doing good how are you doing today good josh how are you i'm good i'm good and can you please tell me your we we don't want to mess up your name at all so can you just say it for us okay my name is first name is amlan a-m-l-a-n amlan amlan mitra okay uh, Mr. Mitra, is there any like is there any points you want to start off talking with? Yes, uh, uh, you know, first of all, uh, I would like to thank you, Nico, for 
uh, inviting me to this uh, podcast. Uh, I'm here as an economist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, being a former student, uh, you know that economics uh, focuses on all markets yeah. uh, and uh, not just the financial markets. Mm -hmm. And uh, financial economics is actually a very special field uh, in um, in economics where financial analysis are done and the finance discipline became a major discipline during the 1950s. Mm. So finance is a discipline that originated from economics from the field of financial economics the financial economics is still there mm -hmm. my specialty uh, is in public finance that was my doctoral dissertation which focuses on the finances of public institutions okay. so and uh, i'm not here uh, uh, in this uh, podcast to predict about <laughs> stock returns and but to share <laughs> some information <laughs> <laughs> but to share some information on how economics you know in general and the sure. current uh, macroeconomic indicators especially during the pandemic Right. Uh, they're playing an, a very important role in the financial market. Yeah, because right now we have a really crazy, uh, you know, economic conditions going on with, with supply chain issues and with the chip shortages and with the prices of things, the inflation. So, yeah, I think it'll just be interesting to get your perspective on this and then maybe factor into how it will how it influences certain companies and, and how the stocks will react to that. So... Um, so I guess one thing is, how, how, where do you see the inflation going in the next, so at, at any time this year? Okay, uh, definitely that's a very good question, and I think uh, it it has been a very major concern uh, in the financial uh, media, I guess you know. Mm -hmm. But you know, as this new year begins, uh, the overriding message that I get. Uh, from my research on um, finance, especially uh, looking at the financial institutions across Wall Street and beyond, that uh, conditions, uh, I'm an optimist, condition still looks good, mm -hmm. but the rallies that uh, we have uh, seen uh, over the last uh, few years uh, may not be uh, repeating frequently, at least in the short run. Mm -hmm. And the growth of stocks, I think, uh, will ease. And the returns, I think, will be kind of a moderate. Uh, obviously, risks are abound plenty, but so do the opportunities. So mm -hmm. despite the volatility of uh, the 2021, uh, I think that, uh, you know, with the equities, you know, when we look at the equities, in some cases, it has reached record highs, actually. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, uh, I think the big question is when, to what extent, the mm -hmm. service sector, which has been mostly affected by the pandemic, will be back. And right. I think that this kind of service sector I don't know if you're aware, is an important and a significant slice in our economic output and the mm -hmm. jobs. Mm -hmm. And uh, once it rebounds, and obviously the supply chain disruptions are also very important. So I think if the supply sector, uh, the service sector, along with the supply chain comes back, 
uh, I think the worst of the reaction is already behind us. Okay. So, let me let me ask you this. So so the Fed has been planning to have several rate hikes this year, right? Mm -hmm. And increased interest rates. And it's been they've said somewhere between three to four hikes at some point this year. So it's you would think that that most investors would, would already be factoring that in and be expecting that during this year. So do you think and I think the first one's supposed to come sometime in March? Do you think when the Fed does uh, hike up, you know, increase interest rates, is that going to is the market going to react to that and investors are going to sell even more? Or do you think that's already priced in? First of all, let me tell you that this inflation that you mentioned is an emotional subject. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you agree. Mm -hmm. And the debate actually over the current situation, especially not very desirable. And it's also to some extent not credible. You know, I kind of talk straight. <laughs> uh, so it's not also credible uh, because the assessment of the economy uh, have become incredibly partial, mm -hmm. partisan. Mm -hmm. And in general, uh, you know, this current political environment is actually seeding this kind of uh, accelerating this type of fear. And uh, so, yes, the Fed is obviously going to tighten the monetary policies, but uh, there are these... Uh, 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 so-called, you know, the naysayers who actually think that the Fed will take uh, major mis missteps mm. in their hikes. And mm -hmm. I don't think, and by the way, Jeremy Powell is not an economist compared mm -hmm. to the past several chairs of the Fed, but he mm -hmm. associate himself with the economists. Mm -hmm. So he has done a good job and no wonder Biden has kept him. Mm -hmm. So yes, uh, uh, we are not in a situation like we had in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. I know that the inflation is kind of 6.8 to 7%, but think about the unemployment rate. Mm -hmm. It's 3.9%. It's, it's very low. It's very and low. If you have taken macroeconomics, you know, <laughs> Our full employment, which is the natural rate of unemployment, is between three to four percent. In fact, in the past, yeah. it was up to five percent. So we are doing pretty good, actually. Right. And I think the Federal Reserve, uh, given you know, uh, over the several years, we have kept the inflation very low, as well as the unemployment rate also low. You know, in economics, there's a trade-off between inflation and unemployment. And there is a theory also. But then we saw that unemployment and inflation actually in the last couple of decades, and I would say partly because of the Federal Reserve, it has been pretty you know, uh, low, both of them. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's a good thing. So it is not the same type of inflation that we uh, knew in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I think that uh, it, is, uh, it is not going to be that bad. And yeah, obviously, they're going to slow down the, the open market operations, the buying of bonds and so on. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that, uh, and we, by the way, obviously, when they, whenever there is a hike in the interest, that has an impact. But as you said, expectations play a major role. I think yeah. I have mentioned several times in class that, you know, 
there are a lot of factors that affect the market, but expectations and uh, yeah, if we it, it, adjust, then a news may not be a news. So right. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Expectations play a big part in how the, the markets react. Yeah. Right. Josh, what's your, what's your, what's your stance on this? Yeah, but I, I, I do kind of agree with you as well. But I also wanted to ask you a question with cryptocurrency. So these past couple of years, cryptocurrency, we have learned of Bitcoin, things of that nature, but different stocks like cryptocurrency, such as ETH, Dogecoin, with them booming up as well. How, how do you think the Feds will deal with cryptocurrency going in the future? You know, uh, there is a lot of hype about the crypto digital assets. I know cryptocurrency is one of them. And uh, to be honest with you, um, I, when my son, who is a chemical engineer, graduated from Purdue West Lafayette, when he said that uh, whatever investment I'm going to make, it'll be on the digital assets. I said, it's up to you. I don't uh, encourage that. Mm. One of the thing that I think uh, you should know based on the uh, studies and research, and even though we have this Matt Damon uh, <laughs> advertising for crypto.com, <laughs> I have nothing against crypto. <laughs> I have nothing against crypto, but one thing is it's a fact that crypto is not one of those universal asset in a financial portfolio on average of investors. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those asset that always stays there. You know, understand the meaning of the portfolio. So if it becomes a standard that in general, people have this digital asset portfolio, mm -hmm. then, you know, it will take time. Remember, money has to do with acceptability. Why is dollar much more demanded than any other currency? Because of its, you know, uh, value. Uh, value you know, and acceptability. So crypto mm -hmm. with time, as we uh, trade more with the cryptocurrency, as it becomes more and more uh, acceptable by major financial institutions, by major uh, central banks of different countries, mm -hmm. I think that uh, we can well, say- Well, it, it, it looks like it's turning more and more that way every day. That's the, good. The, amount, the amount of people and, and businesses and organizations and sports teams that are accepting it, it, it seems to keep going up. And it seems like more and more people are, you know, becoming interested in it. And there's more countries that are trying to utilize it in, in their government. So I don't know, it, it looks kind of like it's, it has to happen at some point in the future. The current pandemic is definitely playing a role, as you know. But uh, I can tell you that as more and more uh, advancement in the technologies, as more and more prepared are we with the current pandemic and way to deal with it, I think that uh, uh, we are not going to see the same surge that we have seen and the impact on the financial market. So I think that uh, even though I'm not an expert, uh, in the in the financial world, I can tell that people can get comfort based on that information. That mm -hmm. we are not going to see like a massive decline, and you know, in terms of the markets. I okay, don't now that. now let me ask you this: Do you think um, would there be any negative impacts on the economy by using cryptocurrency as a mainstream thing, relative compared to using like the American dollar as currency? Do you think there'd be any big problems that, that, that would 
I don't I, I don't see it as a problem. I see it as a risk. Okay. So yeah. it all depends on our preferences, how much risk tolerant we are. And I am pre pretty much a risk taker, believe me. Uh, <laughs> I am pretty old to uh, retire. Uh, but uh, what you look young. Huh? You don't look a day over 22. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my uh, my retirement uh, uh, advisors in uh, TIA Cref as well as Fidelity tells me that I'm very aggressive, and I should <laughs> not be very aggressive when I have reached my 55 years old. But I don't buy them, so I'm a risk taker. So, Nico, I agree with you. I agree with uh -huh. you that you know it. It has to do with how, you know, how comfortable well, you feel with the risk. And, and I, I think, think the more people take risks, the better it is for the cryptocurrency market. Crypto market. Yeah, the more people that take a chance with it. Take right. a chance. Yes. Um, I guess one other thing too is. I think what, what plays a big part in, in uh, making a currency like a mainstream thing is how volatile the dollar value is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I mean, I think the, you know, the American dollar, it's not, it's not too volatile. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's good enough to where we can use it as a, a common currency, but something like a Bitcoin is so far from that, that it's hard to picture that ha happening anytime soon. Where you know if you have if you have one Bitcoin and it goes from fifty thousand to forty thousand in in one week, then that's not very that's not going to work in the economy. So, well, uh, Nico, I think that what you just said gives me more confidence on your <laughs> podcast. So I think that you are giving a more realistic scenario than this, you know, crypto crazy maniacs that <laughs> you know go to the extreme. So there yeah. has to be a balance. And I think that is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Josh, what do you think? Well, to, I, I do want to move the conversation, even though we're, we're still talking about the future of cryptocurrency. Uh, Professor, I want to ask, what kind of car do you have? <laughs> okay, I have a hybrid. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, even though uh, I used to drive an SUV for, a, for many, many years, and uh, that's a stupid economist, actually, who cares about the environment. But at the same time, the hybrid price was very high 10 years back. Uh, mm -hmm. So I have a hybrid, very small hybrid. I have a Camry hybrid, which is very fuel efficient. I drive from Naperville, um, and mm. that's like a round trip of 120 to 30 miles. And my fuel cost has reduced by 50%. Wow. That's, good. that's good that's good so and in the year about 2025 ish there will be a huge boom and more ev cars being out in the street so how do you feel about that even though uh, when i was a young kid uh, uh, and came to this country my dream was to buy a bmw x5 <laughs> my dream never came true because i did not actually i never used to carry an iphone also i used to carry a simple phone but then i got a lot of criticism from my nieces and nephews telling me you live in the united states and you have a <laughs> crappy phone and you have a crappy car so I was telling my wife that, can I buy a BMW X5 or a Porsche Cayenne, or Cayenne, whatever you pronounce it. And uh, my son, whose first car was a BMW and secondhand, he told me, no, dad, buy a Tesla. So that's my goal. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that, that's one thing that a lot of times we don't even 
uh, factor in, I'll say, is the word of mouth with people. You know, mm -hmm. when you go to like a review or anything, the first thing that you're going to have any trust with a company is with ask somebody from the street, from people you know, things of that nature. So, yeah. Right. Even though I'm not a fan of Elon Musk, given his... Uh, uh, lack of uh, societal responsibility no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you know you know nico got so mad he he's no, steaming from steam coming from his head Face no, right like, no. No, the reason i say this is because it's not just the tesla but also other american vehicles uh, companies are also making very uh, good hybrid and electric vehicles. So I am not saying that you have to buy a Tesla, but there are a lot of other good vehicles. And you could see that the stock of the automobile companies are going up, um, the Ford stock especially. Um, and also uh, GE is doing a lot of research on the EV and therefore, uh, I don't know, you guys probably know that both those stocks have actually gone up pretty uh, recently, the growth has been tremendous. Which which stocks are those? Uh, Ford and okay. GE. Oh, okay, okay, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Ford has had a really great year. I I remember looking at Ford when it was like eight or nine dollars, and I was thinking about buying it, and that was a little over a year ago. And now today, it's like twenty something dollars. Mm -hmm. So it's like had like a two hundred percent increase this year. Yes, you are absolutely right. Almost two hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, Nico, you should give me some advice about how can I reach my goal, retirement goal in five years. By the way, uh, you know Parker Manning, who gave a talk at the Econ Club. On is uh, there was a guy Parker Manning. I don't know if you were there that day, but maybe uh, I, maybe I, I don't think I was there. He's a business student, and he was. Uh, uh, it was a good uh, surprise uh, that uh, he is investing in retirement fund at this early age wow okay that's cool something that kids at this age don't really think about yeah, yeah. That's, that's absolutely true that's absolutely true yeah. yeah as soon as i get the stock money i spend it right in fanduel <laughs> my <Yeah>, exactly <laughs> my ira is doing much better than my other uh, funds actually okay. i do have vanguard and i do have uh, uh, Dodge and Cox, those are some of the common uh, stocks, retirement stocks that we have, mm -hmm. and TI Crave. But, uh, um, you know, uh, I think that, uh, you know. Uh, well, I guess so. I mean, I guess so. What you're looking for for like your retirement account, it would be mostly, it'd be mostly dividend stocks, like reliable companies that pay out good dividends, right? Yes. So, um, I put out a video on my channel a couple days, a couple like a little over a week ago, going through my top ten picks for for dividend stocks that are okay. that have the least amount of volatility. Okay. And so it looks like um, the average for them was about a six percent dividend yield. And so um, some of the ones on the list were companies like Walgreens, um, Arbor Realty Trust, Verizon. Um, there was a couple more on there I can't think of, but. Yeah, there's, you got to be really selective with which uh, companies you put in that type of a portfolio because you want to have good dividends coming in and you want to make sure the company can afford to pay those dividends, but you also want to make sure that the stock price is not too volatile. And so that way, you know, even if you're making dividend money, you still want to make sure the stock price is not moving too much. But okay, Nico, yeah, but I would appreciate if you could share uh, me the link uh, okay. of that podcast uh, okay. through LinkedIn. 
Yes, Josh. Yeah, I was gonna say, Nico, like, just say, just put yourself in uh, the professor's shoes for a minute. Yeah. Think that you're like him. Which one particular stock would you even consider about getting? It's for like a for like a, a retirement, like a stable type. Of, Five yeah. years so, for your mind into his. So okay, one of the one of the biggest positions I made last year was in Walgreens, and that's because they were paying about a four point two percent dividend, and it's it was also because not only is Walgreens a reliable type of company, but it's the stock price was also down huge. It was down a couple of years ago. It was about $80 a share. And I started buying it about 45. It bottomed out at around $35 a share, but I started buying it about 47. And today it's about 54, 55. And part of that, part of the, um, the increase this year has been because of COVID because people have been going there to get COVID tests and all that stuff. Vaccines but, too as well. Right. The vaccines too. So it's, it's, it's companies like that. It's like, you want like a company like Verizon is also a good one because Verizon pays a 4.6% dividend. And I believe that they're only paying out about half of the money they, they earn. And the, the beta on that stock is super low. I think it's a 0.4 on Verizon. So that means the, the stock price barely moves. The, the stock price does not really move much over the past five years. And you're still getting a 4.5% dividend every year which that's not a ton of money. That's not a ton of money, but it's for, for, for not doing anything. It's, it's, it's like free money pretty much. I would like to make one observation, if you permit, uh, regarding um, the retail pharmacy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how young you were during the great recession, which was in 2007. Mm -hmm. um, uh, at that time, uh, uh, one of my uh, students actually from, economics major at that time it used to have business economics major but the college of business decided not to pursue it bad idea anyway uh, the study was that during the recession the great recession the retail pharmacy did pretty good mm -hmm. do you know why because no. it's kind of like a it's a it's a necessity based business the current situation is same yeah so that is the reason why Walgreens, CVS, and other retail pharmacy, they are, uh, uh, you know, not pro-cyclical. That means they don't yeah. fluctuate based on the business economic growth and stuff, right? Right. They yeah. are necessities. And there are other similar stocks and retirement funds like that. Mm -hmm. So definitely in general, for the layman's uh, 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 in this uh, audience, I would say, think about retirement stocks that are less pro-cyclical. Yes, right. Yeah, if you get the, the stocks that are based on, that are cyclical based off of commodity prices, like if you buy steel companies, they're super volatile. So you got to be really careful with that because it's like, you know, you could have one year where it shoots up hundred percent and it's great. And then, and then a week later it's, it gets cut in half. So you got to be really careful with the stocks that are based off of commodities. Very good. I appreciate that comment. <laughs> <laughs> so one quick question too, uh, Professor Mira. I want to say, say if you're talking to someone, uh, talking to you about 20, 30 years ago or anything, what's one big advice would you give to maybe a younger person or someone of your age? I mean, not your uh, this age, is, you. this is what I keep on telling my students, as well as my son and his friends, that uh, one mistake I made was I was a very late investor in the in the in the financial market. There are a lot of safe uh, 
stocks and especially mutual funds that $50 doesn't take more than $50 that you need to think about it and also think about long term. Long term is just 10 years. It, it passes very quickly. Oh, <laughs> I God. started teaching at <laughs> Purdue in 92. Think about it. I mean, time flew like crazy. So a 16-year-old or a 19-year-old, 20-year-old to see at least 10% return on these compared yeah. to putting money in somewhere else doesn't make right. sense. So this early savings is very important, yeah. especially if you can find some really good and they should listen to your podcast. And I strongly recommend that they listen to your podcast because I think you both, I think uh, are coming up with good questions and I'm so happy because I was a little bit scared before I came to this show because I know Nico is only going to talk about crypto because he's crazy. <laughs> but he's no. Crypto no. and Tesla. <laughs> no. No, but, but that, that's a good point though. If if you can if you can somehow get started investing just a little bit of money when you're like like 15 years old or 17 years old, it makes a five or 10 years later, it makes a huge difference and it puts you way further ahead because and it is before you turn 18, it is hard to do. I started, I started right before I turned 18 while I was 17 and I still, I had to use my social security number to make my Robinhood account. And, you know, I, I started off with probably a couple hundred bucks or whatever, but I mean, if you can somehow, if you can uh, somehow manage to save up money while you're a teenager and then you turn 18 and you can invest, you know, a couple grand or $10,000 into the stock market, it puts you so much further ahead. So, and the other big thing too, is not only the, the money you get in there when you're young, but also those first, those first like three years, the experience that you need to, to learn how the market works and just get used to the way stocks move. That is like some of the most important information you could, you could learn. And Nico can so, agree with me on this one is that's like the main point of our podcast. You know, I started investing when I was 20 and like most young investors, I really didn't know what I was doing. And it's like kind of during right before the huge startup with GameStop, things of that nature where a lot of young investors didn't know what they were doing. They were just trying to make a quick dollar, put it in and just get out as soon as possible. So I think that's one thing I do like about this podcast. I might be biased <laughs> or whatever, but... No, 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 you're right. And Josh, uh, let me uh, make this open invitation to both you and Nico again to our PNW club because we need to reach a broader young audience um, okay. to talk about your podcast and also to give. When it comes from young uh, investors like you, it does make sense. And I think that this is very important. I consider myself as a late investor to be very lucky that I ended up with a Purdue University job where the retirement is very good. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason why I'm telling you, my retirement is quite good, even mm -hmm. though I have not made that much of early investment. So, mm -hmm. but not everybody will become lucky. I mean, how yeah. many millionaires do we have in the United States? Can you imagine? It's it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. Not there's a lot. Like, there was like there's like I think there's like thirty no, million or something no, like that. No, two percent. No, two percent of the okay, retirement we're gonna, retirement. We're not look more than two percent. Oh, Write it okay. down. Two percent of those who are retired are millionaires. Two percent. Hmm. Check out. If I okay, wrong, here here I, this is this is the the statistic as of three weeks ago. There are, there are 22 million Americans that are millionaires. I'm talking about the retirement fund, those who are retirees. How okay. many retirees in the population are millionaires? And the answer is 
within 2%. Check it out. Yeah, okay. my grandma's getting ready to retire and then not to put her business out there or anything. But she surely is no millionaire. <laughs> okay. Um, what, did, what did I wanted to ask you? Um, so were, were you talking about, Mr. Mitra, were you talking about the econ club? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would, I, I would, I was actually t- talking to Tyler before and saying like, I wish I could still be a part of the club somehow, even though I'm still not a student there. Yeah. So of, I was of still course. trying to figure There's out how no to do requirement that. that you have to be a student. Even non-economics okay. uh, majors are also. But uh, since uh, Josh is also uh, in this podcast, and Josh, what's your? Uh, are you a PNW student or? Yeah, I'm in my last semester. I'm a broadcast major, so yeah broadcasting major so um, i would at least ask you if you could come like maybe middle after the spring break to have uh, you know nick nick already gave one but if you could got focus on this the question that you asked me about what message do we have for the younger generation and i think that we record this this should be you know something that could be communicated i think it's very important yeah. So, so if, if I, if I joined the club, I could still like play the stock market game and stuff with them, yes. even, yes. Though I'm, even though I'm not a student there, you know, uh, let's, let's talk to, to the <laughs> club offices before I make some, you know, okay. Uh, so okay. yes. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. Um, I guess the next topic we had on our list of things to talk about today was um, payment companies like PayPal or like block or even like visa where, um, some of these companies now are kind of there. People are viewing them as things of the past because they think that a lot of the e-commerce companies like Amazon, Shopify, and eBay, those companies are not going to need those, those third-party payment platforms anymore. And both, both pay, uh, PayPal and, and Square have been companies that I invested a lot of money in these last couple of months because the stocks are down 50 or 60% from their highs. So where do you guys see this going? Do you think PayPal, do you think PayPal and Cash App are going to be gone or do you think there's still a use for them in, in the economy? I'm not an expert on these type of uh, pay service, but one thing that I know that has happened to me recently is a lot of security alerts coming from these third party payments. Mm-hmm. Um, I just made a trip to Florida and I we usually drive actually because my um, wife's uh, family is in North Carolina. So we stop there and you go. And uh, there are a couple of transactions that came out as fraud alerts through PayPal, mm-hmm. um, you know, from truck stops and other places. So yeah. when we have Amazon and other uh, uh, these buying, uh, you know, e- e- e-commerce platforms, and they have a quite, you know, I would say that their security is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. I see that uh, with the rising concern over the security uh, I am not very, uh, you know, optimistic about these pay service. You don't providers. think so? Yeah, uh, really? I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like my wife doesn't do any transaction through PayPal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know what? But, yeah. Uh huh. And and that's where I was gonna go with that. Um, like you were saying, it's all with and what I was saying earlier. It's all with word of mouth. How other people, how people you know feel about it you know I, I personally really don't know anyone that uses paypal but i do know someone who probably use um what's the apple one on your phone it's called apple pay 
Okay, Apple Pay. Yeah, but like I mean, they also a- PayPal also owns um, what's it called? They Demo also own Venmo, well. and yeah, then so. Square Square owns Cash App. Yeah. So and I think as of last year, there were there were there were more users on both of those platforms than there was um people that had Chase Bank accounts. And I think there, if you look at the charts, there like Chase Bank accounts users are, is like this, and then though the Venmo Cash App and PayPal users are like this. So. But the one it's thing more, about the, it's but, more in the younger generation. My yeah. son uses Venmo a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true too. Yeah, so I, I think with us, I think PayPal might have to do a little bit of rebranding and get rid of or kind of like convert PayPal into Venmo. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that could be. I mean, I just think that let's say the let's say these e-commerce companies let's say they don't use pay i mean but see the weird thing is is just i think a little over a month ago amazon said that they're going to start accepting venmo as a, as a source of payment starting this year so it's Ven- kind of venmo conf- not paypal venmo not paypal right but the other thing is paypal they they've acquired some they've acquired like over a dozen companies the last couple of years and i think with a company that big the market cap's like over 200 billion dollars I think they could they could um, they could acquire more companies or make a new type of business model that would still keep them alive and, and prospering in years to come. So I don't know. I, I don't see the company PayPal going under anytime soon. Yeah, I, I don't think so either because they have Venmo. But I think the main thing a lot of companies have to understand is how important marketing is and how people feel about your overall standpoint of the company. You know, I don't think Cash App is going anywhere because Cash App they. Um, they're huge in like Instagram with influencers. So yeah. when the influencer has a million followers and like this is this TikTok is sponsored by Cash App. Cash right. App is going to be always in people's and minds. Not, not only time. that, not only is it not only is it that, but it's also that those apps they also allow you to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum That's on it, there. Yeah. They let you buy stocks on there, and it's like the easiest, quickest way to do transactions. That I don't know. I don't see anything um, replacing that. In the years to come since uh, we are having this interactive discussion i'm very curious josh to know from you um, that and it, it may be uh, helpful to our audience as a broadcasting major what do you see the role of effective communication communication i believe is not to but with okay mm-hmm. i don't believe communication is communicate to people, but communicate with people. What do you think that communication plays a role in the financial market? Um, well, like I was saying, just the word of mouth thing, I think is one of the one, one of the biggest keys wanting to put anything on your type, like anybody on your team, your group, or anyone to follow you. So, yeah. So yeah, you see that there are some people that might say, well, why are broadcasting major giving us a lecture on the financial market? Oh, yeah. Communi- communication is very important. Uh-huh. And I would definitely go with somebody who is majoring in communication to play a role also in the stock market. Yeah, you know, I, I might be a little bit better to give a speech than um, someone who sits behind a desk all day. So <laughs> might might be a little bit more, a little bit more. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice to be with you guys. I have to, uh, uh, I don't know how long your podcast is, but do you have any other things that I might Yeah, there's, there's one more company, one more industry that was on our list. And that is another company I've, I've been buying the stock the last couple of months. And that is DocuSign. I want to share with you one, uh, one chart. 
if I may. Okay. Uh, uh, can I share the screen? Uh, let me see. Can you uh, enable me? That's one thing I was wondering, like, how do I make someone? Uh... Oh, I you see. Go, you go to your options and there you it. allow. Mm -hmm. I think I see it now. I might as well make us. Make okay. So I don't know if you guys have seen this. Yeah, we see it. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know if you have seen this, this uh, slide figure. Uh, this is the different sectors of the economy, industrial sectors, and obviously it has connection with the different uh, stocks market sectors we have. Um, this is the estimated time to recover to pre-COVID-19 sector GDP. I think it's a very important slide for people who are actually also trying to get some more information about the stock markets is to look at this. I'm not saying I obviously don't believe in just one study, but this gives a pretty good uh, snapshot of the different industries and how soon they're going to recover and what share they do have in the small business sector of the GDP. So, for example, if you look at the manufacturing, you could see that their recovery period is much more that has already started compared to the arts entertainment, which is a Wait, service sector. Yeah. Why is why is something like educational services? How come it says it doesn't start recovery until 2023? See, what did we do starting spring? We, we still went, went to remote. We went on Zoom, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So those are the reasons, like, you know, where COVID plays an important role uh, in terms of some of the industries also. And I think that this gives, you know, uh, some, uh, you know, information regarding which are the industries to look for. You know, I'm not saying that you should only use this information, but I thought this information is um, pretty good. And one thing before I go, I would like to at least uh, make a recommendation for our audience is that, you know, there are a lot of sources where you can get news of the financial market. But time to time, it's important that you look at peer-reviewed articles, peer-reviewed journals. I know Investopedia, Wikipedia, so many other sources, those are not peer reviewed, okay? Mm -hmm. Anybody can go and pitch in and write something. But it's mm -hmm. very important that you look at especially articles coming from, let's say financial institutions like Federal Reserve, coming from think tank agencies, those are also very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, I agree. But yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting, that was an interesting graph though. Yeah, well, how arts and entertainment is still affected with COVID. And that's exactly. The, yeah. So, yeah. So the, the last stock I wanted to talk about was DocuSign. Um, this is one that ARK Invest was buying earlier this year. And then their revenue projections for this quarter went down like 10%, just a very slight bit. And the stock fell like, I want to say 50% at least. And then ARK started selling all their shares. And the CEO bought up more shares. So the, the stock was at its highs, it was about $300 a share. And then it dropped now to about 130. And I started, I bought, I bought some shares in the $140 mark. And so, I mean, cause so HelloSign is their main business. They are the number one in uh, e-signing of documents. And so I think they have over a million users. And I, I just feel like they are the, um, 
they, if they're number one in the industry and the industry of e-signing isn't going away, I feel like this was, this would be a good stock to buy. What do you guys uh, think about that? Uh, I, I think that uh, this DocuSign thing has some similarity with the cryptocurrency stocks. Okay, the reason okay, I say so. this is acceptability. I think DocuSign is, is definitely much more efficient in mm-hmm. terms of getting things done much more efficiently. And it has become much more acceptable compared to what we had several years back. I, as an instructor, sometimes have to get approval or myself have to make signature, which used to take like a week, more than a week to get it approved and get the forms filled out. And these are very helpful to get things done from the student's perspective, right? A student want to have an incomplete, a student would like to have a great change, a student would like to add a class. DocuSign is very efficient in our academic institutions, and I think it, it, should be, it should be more acceptable. And as we become more acceptable, I see a bright future for the DocuSign. I okay. think it is much more effective. Yeah, okay. and, and I think so too. But I think just now, I think it's the really early on stages. Like yes. how, Professor, you were talking about like how you would be nice for you to use it. But I'm thinking more of my, I don't remember the last time I signed anything. Like besides is like maybe if I get a check, but I don't even remember the last time I actually signed a check. So I think for now it's like a little bit more niche and it's more like um, one group of particular people that actually uses and sign these the documents. So I think now for the younger crowd, I think it's gonna take some time. But I do think it's probably gonna go back up. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's we did have one more thing on there. Um, we had the fact that Macau, China, the largest uh, casino city in the world, bigger than Las Vegas, they renewed their licenses for the casino companies to continue on and, and uh, get more ownership. So that's like the, the Wynn Resorts, the Las Vegas Sands, the, the Venetian, all those companies, they're, they're not, all those stocks were beaten down. Me and Josh both know because we are investors in Wynn Resorts and the stock's been, it, it, it was $130 earlier last year and then, and then it, it came down to like $70. So uh, Wind Resorts is a good example of one that it, it shot up pretty big last week when the news came out, and yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with these these Chinese stocks. But uh, Josh, what do you think about Wind Resorts? You know, Wind Resorts for me has been a great buy since I got it. I think I got it around eighty dollars and about sixty ish cents. So it's been up. I'm up about thirteen percent. Always has been up since I got it. So that's a good thing. And Nico, thank you for because Nico is actually the one that actually told me about the stock but professor are you interested in these type of stocks like one resource or any other chinese stocks at all i have to do some research uh, right <laughs> now uh, i'm I, I enjoy gambling <laughs> my yeah. wife also enjoys gambling but big, only she wins, I don't. <laughs> but, yeah but one thing i would like to share about uh, the chinese uh, uh economy uh, related to uh, our performance. I don't know, you are aware maybe that there are some people that uh, believe that the Chinese market is uh, going to collapse and so on. And um, even my wife uh, during the vacation, she made a comment to one of my colleagues uh, from Purdue uh, that, I'm telling you, in three years, China will be gone. 
and I thought to myself, how stupid that comment is. But anyway, uh, I think that given that China is owning so much of our debt, I also believe that there are a lot of exploitation going on in the Chinese economy. But uh, uh, but China is still pretty pretty strong. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it is the biggest, the most, uh, the highest population, shall I say? So yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, Mr. Meacher, before we before we end the wrap this podcast up, is there any? I know you said that you're not uh, super into researching stocks and stuff, but is there any companies out there or industries out there? Any anything that catches your eye that you think is going to have a promising future? I always uh, am a believer of uh, uh, advanced uh, technologies, and advanced technologies can be uh, in several areas, right? I also think that advanced technologies uh, have some uh, drawbacks also in terms of sometimes there are major uh, security concerns and those kind of issues. But uh, I think that, uh, and this is not from my perspective, uh, I am an immigrant, okay? And I came to this country because uh, this country, I believe, has given me more opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I think that United States should not be in this position right now if we made investment in technologies. And mm -hmm. one of the technologies I think that we should be investing a lot is in green technologies. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not saying this because I believe in the environment, I believe in the safety and health of our society, but I also believe that those days of steel manufacturing and other things are gone, okay? It's time for us to invest in green technologies and not only green technologies, also in health technologies. Mm -hmm. You know, given that so much uncertainty we have, one of the thing that I have noticed is that there are a lot of research in my profession about what is the next normal. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have heard this. What is the next normal? We are currently not in a normal situation, but we are th thinking as if we are back to normal. But what could be an emerging next normal? We have to prepare for that. And the United States and I'm not lecturing here, United States should be the leader in technology. So, so you're, you're saying you don't think the past couple of years, let's say the past five or 10 years, you don't think the United States has done a good enough job investing in- We can do better. We can do better? We can do better. We can do more investment. And I'm very glad with the infrastructure bill. And I'm very glad that we've got bipartisan support. I'm very glad that in our region, we'll have strong broadband connections. Think about equality. You know, I'm not a socialist. Okay, so don't get me wrong. But I believe in equality in, in the sense of access. Rural areas, urban areas, minorities versus the majority population. I believe that there should be access. And once mm. we have this technologies and accessibility, the healthcare, the pandemic has shown us that the minority population, the rural population were much more vulnerable and they were denied of healthcare uh, services compared to those urban areas. Well, okay. okay. So do you think with these, with these technologies that 
we should be investing in. Do you think that's more so of the big tech firms like the, the Apple, the Tesla, the Google? Do you think it's their job to, would they be the ones who are investing in the new technologies? I believe so. I believe so. And it should be a private-public partnership. I think I believe in that. Not everything is possible given the profit motive of companies, but there are some good companies that have gone beyond the profit motive and definitely they are doing a whole lot of things. But I think that the government should be also involved in establishing this uh, public-private partnership so that we have more investment more yeah. investment in these type of technologies, especially in uh, healthcare and communication. I see. And more people will tend to trust the government say this, the investing in this, this, this company is a little bit more. Exactly. Well, okay, I have, I, have a, I have a question. How about, what, do you think people, who do you think people trust more? The, the, our government or the big businesses? The big businesses people trust more, especially so, the young generation. Why do you say that? Because, uh, uh, because they see, the young generation see that uh, there are a lot of successes from, from individuals' perspective, small businesses or individuals who have reached a very you know, uh, high uh, uh, growth in, in income in a very short time. Mm -hmm. And that is good. But one thing that sometimes they fail to understand is that there is also a luck factor involved and there is also a lot of other factors involved. So uh, uh, I think that the trust in the government has to come from the politicians, from the policy makers. We cannot force the young generation to trust on you. If you do no. not have good public policies, if you do yeah. not come up with some deliverables, the way you, we talk about pre-election and post-election, I think that is very important. So I, I, I understand the young generation. Recently, we just had a talk in my class where most of the students believe that America, we still have a chance and everybody can succeed. And I truly believe that. But not everyone will be Elon Musk. Not everyone will be Bill Gates. And we have to understand that also. Therefore, public policies are equally important. We are not a pure capitalist society. We have to understand that. Therefore, it cannot be done simply by the private sector. It's impossible. Infrastructure, mm -hmm. private sectors will never do that. As a public mm -hmm. finance economist, I'm telling you, there is no incentive. Mm -hmm. for the public, uh, private sectors to build on the infrastructures. Yeah, there are a few who will, who will do that. There are a few, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it is, it, is, it, is, it is very important that there's a public-private partnership. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. You don't have to agree with me, but that's... No, I, 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 I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it's a tough, it's a tough issue to face. It's a tough thing to accomplish. So I don't know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I know that uh, we have this freedom of uh, moving up the ladder, but I think people have to also understand that there are other factors while you move up the ladder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Nick, you got anything else to ask professor or? I, I, think, I think we are done here. Time to, for a round of applause. Thank you. I hope I did answer your questions, but yeah. <laughs>
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. 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 Have a good one. Once again, this concludes this episode, episode 22 of the Star Talk podcast. So once again, thank you all for listening. Thank you again for Professor Mitra for taking time out of his busy day, out of his busy schedule to talk to us. So Nico, you got any closing remarks? No, not really. Good, good, good. So once again, my name is Josh Beaudry and want to say y'all have a good morning, good night, or whatever time you listen to this podcast. Have a good one. Please stay safe and please wear a mask. A lot of COVID is going on right there. Even I have, even I have. But once again, this is Josh Bosher and want to say bye-bye.